Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Returning to 1 Corinthians. It's been a while, but uh, we're, we're back. So we're going to continue through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We should finish up this chapter today, so uh, thankfully. But uh, we'll be looking at the permanence of love today. Now, some things are good, but then there are other things that are more excellent, right? Some things are good, but there's things that are even more excellent. There's things that are better. Being the NFC division champions is good, but winning the Super Bowl would be much better, right? It would be more excellent. Uh, getting a good education is good, but then finding a good job after that education is more excellent. Right? There's some things that are good, but then there are those things that are more excellent. Now, as we return to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today, we remember that Paul, in chapter 13 here, has been talking about spiritual gifts, actually in, in chapters uh, 11, 12, and, and 13. He's been looking at spiritual gifts. But then as he, he gets into chapter 13 here, he says, I will show you a more excellent way. So he's talked about spiritual gifts. He's kind of laid them out there and talked about several different specific gifts and talked about their value in the church, right? So we have to have the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are what unite us. The Holy Spirit is working in us and Every time that he, he comes into a believer, he begins to wor work in that believer. He gives that believer certain gifts to be used in the body of Christ. And so he's used that analogy. The church is the body of Christ. And, and we have arms and legs and toes and fingers and mouths and all of that kind of thing in the body of Christ. But we need all of those things to coming together to make one body. And so the spiritual gifts are important. They're good. They're good for the healthy functioning of the church. But Paul says, now I bring you a more excellent way. He's not saying that, that spiritual gifts are bad. He's saying, but, but let, me, let me remind you the more excellent way. Now we need to remember that the spiritual gifts were a problem in the church. They were causing division in the church. That's why Paul's writing this letter. There's all this division in the church there in Corinth. And so we've seen the factionalism and we've seen sexual immorality taking place in the church. But there's also this division over spiritual gifts. Primarily, uh, three big gifts that are causing problems are uh, prophecy, that is preaching the word. Uh, the, the gift of tongues and the gift of knowledge and knowledge here is not just general knowledge but it's a spiritual gift the, uh, the ability to to study deeply the the word of God and be able to understand and explain teach others the deep things of God and so here are these three kind of uh, upfront gifts right they're 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 visual they're they're out front they're they're leading they're standing before the congregation and teaching congregations are 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 their very visual gifts and there are those who are boasting in these gifts 
Oh, look at me. Look how super of a Christian I am because I can speak in tongues. Look how super of a Christian I am because I'm such a great speaker and I can preach God's word. So uh, look how, how super Christian I am because I can understand the deep things of God. And they're boasting in their, their gifts. And Paul says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're losing focus here. Yes, the spiritual gifts are important, but let me show you a more excellent way. And he begins in this chapter giving this exposition on love. And he says, love is a more excellent way. He has shown this throughout this chapter, verses uh, 1 through 3. He showed that love is a more excellent way because of love's preeminence. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. The preeminence of love, love is preeminent over everything. If love is not our chief motivator, then all the works that we do are nothing. He showed us the more, that love is more, a more excellent way through love's properties in verses 4 through Seven, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, that is unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, endures all things. Love is a more excellent way because of its properties, the characteristics of love, the product of love. Now, in this final little paragraph here, he lays out for us three final reasons that love is more excellent than spiritual gifts dealing with, these, these reasons deal with the permanence of love. The permanence of love. And these three reasons may be summed up in this sentence here. Love is more excellent than spiritual gifts because love is an eternal virtue. Love is more excellent than spiritual gifts because love is an eternal virtue. And so I want us to see the eternality of love today as we look at our final little text here. So if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, please stand with me, or chapter 13, excuse me, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy, prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. 
When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but, in, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So as we look at the permanence of love this morning, and we see how love is a more excellent way, we see here, first of all, that love is more excellent than spiritual gifts because spiritual gifts have an expiration date. Spiritual gifts have an expiration date. Spiritual gifts expire. They will expire. Look at the, the first few verses there, uh, verses 8 through 10. Love never ends. As for prophecies, right? As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Now, again, we need to remember here that he is talking about the spiritual gifts, the spiritual gifts of prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. As I said before, these are, are, are three of the big gifts that people are boasting in. Look at me. I, I have the gift of prophecy. I can stand before the crowd, and, and I can give a great, I can preach a great sermon. Look at me, I can speak in tongues. I mean, that's very ecstatic. That's a, a strange thing. That, that kind of wows people. I can speak in tongues. Or, or look at me, look how much I know about the Bible. Right? There are people who have these gifts, and they're, they're great and wonderful gifts. We don't need to, to lose sight of that. These are important gifts within the church, but, but we need not boast in them. We don't need to boast in them. We don't get to, to stand before others and say, oh, look at my gift compared to yours. Like, we like to get the measuring tape out, right, when we go fishing. Uh, I caught the bigger, look who caught the bigger fish here, huh? Well, we kind of bring that over to church sometime. Oh, look at what I can do. Look how talented I am. And we begin to boast in ourselves. We both begin to boast in our spiritual gifts. We begin to boast in our talents. But Paul says all of those will pass away, right? They're going to pass away. They have an expiration date. Uh, they're going to come to an end. Picking up there in verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, that is when the perfect one comes, the partial will pass away. The partial will pass away. When Jesus returns, Paul says, when Jesus returns, oh, we don't, we're not going to need prophecy. We're not going to need preachers anymore. We're not going to need the gift of tongues anymore. We're not going to need that great knowledge, that, those people with that, that great knowledge, the gift of knowledge. We're not going to need them anymore because we're going to have Jesus. We're going to, not going to need people to teach us about Jesus because we're going to have the real thing. We're going to have Jesus face to face. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, 
and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. You see, when Christ returns, everything's going to change. Everything's going to change. We're not going to need teachers anymore because we're going to have Jesus. We're going to be able to see Jesus, fellowship with Jesus. We're going to have Jesus as our instructor for all of eternity. He's going to teach us for all of eternity. So the spiritual gifts, they're going to pass away. Paul says it also, and we're going to get there, at a, you know, a, I don't know how long, it's, it may be a while, but <laughs> over there in, in chapter 15, verses 50 through 53, Paul says, I tell you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, right? There's still mystery right now. There's things that we don't understand. I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we, that is those who are still alive, we will, shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. Man, everything changes drastically in an instant when we see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, all the spiritual gifts that we have, they're going to go away. There'll be no more. There's no longer any use for them. So we don't need to focus on the temporary. We need to focus on the eternal. We need to focus on love. Spiritual gifts have an expiration date, but I also want to, I want to make sure that we understand this, though. That spiritual gifts do have a purpose. Spiritual gifts have a purpose. Now, Paul, he goes on here to give a couple of illustrations of what he's talking about. When I was a child, verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now, I want us to, to think about these two illustrations a moment. Now, Paul is using them to demonstrate that, that spiritual gifts will pass away. But, but at the same time, we, we need to understand here that Paul is not saying that spiritual gifts are bad. Spiritual gifts are good. They have a purpose. Spiritual gifts have a purpose. He says, when I was a child, I acted like a child. I did childish things. I thought like a child, reasoned like a child. I played like a child, right? I, I did childish things. And, and, you know, play is absolutely essential for childhood development, isn't it? It is important for, for kids to go out on the playground. That, they're finding that out even more and more today as we have all this uh, the screens, right? We have all this technology and kids, uh, they don't like to go out and play. They just want to play on that iPad. And, and what is that doing? That's crushing creativity they're discovering. Right? Kids need to go outside. They need to play. Play develops their creativity. We as adults, we, we need to be able to create to function in our world, to do things differently and, and find different ways of doing things. We have all these scientists trying to, to find, uh, you know, the, the way to figure out how to get a, a, the antivirus for 
corona, right? Trying to figure out better ways to do that thing. Well, how do they, they got to have some creativity to understand and to, to try new things, to experiment and, and find new cures for things. We need creativity, and our childhood play creates or helps us uh, to develop creativity. It, it also teaches us how to cooperate with other people. When you go out on the playground, you, you learn real quickly that you can't just be a bully. You, you should, right? And, and you've got to learn how to share. You've got to learn how to get along with other people on the playground. And, and so that's an essential element of play. We, we learn as children doing childish things. That's, that's a good thing. Right? And the same is in the church. We're, we're like children in the church. Yes, we're trying to grow up to maturity. We want to become more and more like Christ in this life. And so God has blessed us with the spiritual gifts so that as together, as we come together as one body in Christ, we help one another grow up, become more and more mature in Christ. And we do develop more and more in Christ, but we'll never be perfect in Christ until we see Christ. Only then will we, we achieve complete maturity. So this age, for us, we're, we're kind of like kids. We have the spiritual gifts to help us, to develop us in the ways of Christ. They have a purpose. Even though they have an end date, they, they have a purpose. They help us to grow in Christ, but they also help reveal Christ, don't they? They help reveal Christ. That, that's, one of their, their big, that's one of the big things about the, the, the church. We're the body of Christ. Now, each and every one of us individually, our goal is to reflect Christ to our friends and our neighbors. Even though imperfectly, we want to reflect Christ. But it's only when we come together in the church that we really begin to reflect the image of Christ to the world. That's why one person doesn't have all the spiritual gifts. Jesus, he would have had all the spiritual gifts, right? Because he was Jesus, he was God. But it's when we come together and we're cooperating together, working with one another, loving one another, helping one another grow in Christ, that we really begin to reflect the image of Christ to the world. That's why Paul says, kind of like looking in a mirror dimly. Now we have to understand, a mirror in Paul's day wasn't like the mirrors we have. Uh, it was basically some polished metal. I mean, they would polish this metal, polish it, polish it, polish it, up real good and, and you had an image you go and look at your your favorite piece of of silverware right and polish it up real good and you kind of see a reflection there but it's not a perfect reflection is it and even in the the fancy dancy mirrors that we have today right that that you know they're 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 good but if there's a flaw in that mirror then it doesn't show the whole full image there's flaws there's there's, you see in the, 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 the reflection dimly in the church. As the church, the body of Christ, works together using these spiritual gifts to help one another, love one another, grow in one another, to, to reach the lost with the gospel, as we use our gifts in cooperation with one another, we reflect the image of Christ to the world. That's why it's terrible when we see churches divide because that's not a reflection of Jesus at whatsoever. But when we see the church unified, 
not perfect, but, but unified, working to, to get through our issues, working to resolve conflict and differences of opinion, working together to advance the kingdom, we're like a mirror of Jesus to the world. One day the world won't need the mirror because Jesus will be here. And the world will be able to see Jesus face to face. So spiritual gifts have their purpose, but we need to understand that the spiritual gifts have an expiration date. Love is a more excellent way than the spiritual gifts because spiritual gifts have an expiration date. Therefore, pursue spiritual gifts, right? Pursue them, use them for yours and the, the, the church's growth in Christ. Use them to be the image of Christ in the world, but pursue spiritual gifts in love. As you pursue your spiritual gift, as you pursue your, your talents, to develop your talents for the Lord, whatever it is, pursue it. But pursue it in love. Love for God, trying to honor and glorify God above everything else and love for others. Pursue love. So love is more excellent than spiritual gifts because spiritual gifts have an expiration date. Second, love is more excellent than spiritual gifts because love is an eternal virtue. Love is an eternal virtue. We're in the last little, little sentence there. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three. When we think about these, we, these are indeed spiritual uh, virtues are spiritual gifts. I mean, excuse me, virtues are spiritual fruit, right? They're fruit, they're, they're the produce of, they're the product of the Spirit working in us. They're the product of the Spirit working in us. The Spirit works spiritual gifts in us. That's a good thing. But what's greater than that being worked in us is what that produces, what the spiritual gifts produce, what the Spirit produces in our life. The Holy Spirit is working in us to produce something. Not just to be something, but to produce something. And that's the fruits of the Spirit that we see in Scripture. Now we see other places. This is one place that kind of lists out just three of the spiritual gifts. And Paul uses these three spiritual gifts because in the early church, these kind of were the, kind of the main three. They would often talk about faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. They would kind of build these up. They were kind of like a mantra, if you will, in church in some ways. These were kind of the main three of course, we've seen other gifts too. Galatians chapter 5 tells us of, of some more spiritual fruits, fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law, right? This is the produce of, the product of, the Spirit working in us. And these are wonderful virtues to, to have, to have manifested in our lives. So virtues are 
are spiritual fruits. They're spiritual produce, the product of the Spirit working in us. But virtues, we need to understand, are eternal. Virtues are eternal. The spiritual gifts will pass away, but virtues are eternal. So now faith, hope, and love abide. They remain, he says. They continue. They, they continue to exist. They remain. Faith remains. Hope remains. Love remains. Even after Christ's return, these virtues remain. Now, I know you're, you're thinking, now wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Doesn't faith and hope, don't they disappear when Christ? No, we won't need faith and hope when Christ returns because our faith will become sight. Perhaps you, you think of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then, of course, there's Romans chapter 8, verse 24. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for we hope for what we, uh, for who hopes for what he sees. So you ask now, now won't faith and hope expire then when our faith becomes sight? Well, kind of yes and no. Kind of yes and no. Really, what, what will take place is faith and hope will be transformed and made perfect, just like love will be transformed and be made perfect in us. So, let me just talk about that. Let me explain that a little bit. And by explaining that, let's look at, let's consider these two words. We can, we can grasp love is eternal, but what about faith and hope? Well, what does faith mean? Faith means to have a strong confidence in someone. It means to have a strong confidence in someone. Now certainly in eternity we will have a strong confidence in the sovereign power and goodness of our triune God. We're going to continue to have faith in God throughout all of eternity. Yes, our faith will be sight, we'll be able to see Jesus We'll be able to see, though, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, they're invisible, we won't be able to see them, but we'll be able, be able to see the manifestation of their glory as we see evident in, in Revelation when we see the, the throne room in Isaiah and other places. We see the throne room, there's the radiance of God's glory. So, so, so our faith will become sight, but yet we'll still have faith in God's sovereignty and His love and his goodness for all of eternity. So our faith will be made perfect. Well, what about hope? Hope. Hope, Paul kind of indicates, hope kind of goes away when we, we see what we hope for, when we realize what we hope for. But we need to understand that there is an aspect of this, the Greek word here for hope, the Greek word behind our English word hope, that carries the, the notion of, of trust. Paul, for example, in Acts chapter 23, verse 6, says, Brothers, he's talking to the audience there. He's in prison. He's giving his defense before a jury there. He says, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope of the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. Now, Paul is appealing here to his hope 
in the resurrection. But this isn't a hope like, you know, we might, some of us might want, you know, hope Kansas City wins the Super Bowl tonight. Right? There, that's a hope. Uh, will it happen or not? We've we got to wait and see. But, but this is a hope that Paul's certain about. It's going to take place. There's a trust that God is, is powerful enough to raise the dead, and God will do what God promises he will do. So Paul's not talking about this hope of something that might or might not happen. It's a trust. And I think that's the same way Paul's using that, that word here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because he clearly says faith, hope, and love abide. They remain. They continue to exist. They never go away. They'll become perfect. They'll become perfect as we see Jesus. We'll have perfect faith. We'll no longer be like that guy, Lord Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. No, that will be no more. We're just going to believe. We're going to have faith in Jesus because we see Jesus and we see God. And we're going to hope for all of eternity. We're going to trust in the goodness of God for all of eternity. And we're going to love. We're going to love more than anything. We're going to experience the full, perfect love of God. We're going to be able to feel it. We're going to see it demonstrated day in and day out and recognize it. We're going to be able to give perfect love. Love is for all of eternity. So Paul says that while spiritual gifts are temporary, these virtues, these products of the Holy Spirit are eternal. So we should value the eternal over the temporal. Again, that is not to say that we should not pursue the spiritual gifts. Never. We should pursue them. Pursue them and use them for the product the produce of these eternal virtues, especially love. Especially love. Which leads us to the third reason why love is more excellent than spiritual gifts. Love is more excellent than spiritual gifts because spiritual gifts have an expiration date. Love is, eternal, is an eternal virtue. And third, love is the supreme eternal virtue. Love is the supreme eternal virtue. That last little part of verse 13 there. But the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love, they abide, but the greatest of these is love. Now why is love greater than faith and hope? Why is it the greatest? Why is it the most supreme of all the, the virtues? Why is it the most supreme of all the fruits of the spirit well, one love is the source of other virtues ultimately love is the source of other virtues go back to verse 7 there verse 7 gives the the produce of love or right the the properties of love verse 7 says love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things so there you have faith and hope right in the properties of love 
all of these other virtues are, 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 they come out of love. They're produced from love. Love is the source of all other virtues. We have loving kindness towards people because of love. We show mercy and kindness towards people because of love. We're able to, to bear with people, right? Have, have patience with people because of love. Love is the source of, or excuse me, love is, yes, love is the source of all the other virtues. Second, love is a divine virtue. Love is a divine virtue. It, it, it's the divine virtue. It's a divine virtue. God doesn't need, has no need for faith. God has no need for hope. He's the perfect God, all-sustaining, self-sustaining God. He doesn't need to have faith in anything. He doesn't need to have hope in anything. He is the almighty, sovereign God, but God does love. In fact, God is love. 1 John chapter 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's the definition of love. He is the one who graciously gave us life and being in this world. Out of his love, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. He demonstrates perfect love. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He loved the world in this manner that he gave his one and only son. So that whoever, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in Jesus, may not perish but have everlasting life. God demonstrates his love. Let me just tell you, without love, without the love of God, there's no hope and there's no faith for us. Without the love of God, there's only despair for us. God is love. He demonstrates His love to us so that he, he gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we might have life in Him. It's a divine virtue. And as we pursue spiritual gifts, as we pursue the other virtues, we pursue them in love, out of love. Love for God, love for others. So pursue spiritual gifts, but pursue them in order to produce the supreme eternal virtue, love. Dear friend, let love be your number one motivator in life. Let love be your number one motivator in life. Do you have the gift of teaching? Don't teach for teaching's sake. Teach out of love. You have the gift of prayer. Don't pray out of prayer's sake. Pray out of love. Love for God. Love for others. Is your gift faith? Don't boast in that faith. Have faith. Extend faith. Show faith. Exercise faith out of love. Love for God and love for others. Helping others grow in faith faith whatever your gift is whatever whatever uh 
place that God has put you to serve in the church. Whatever it is you're, you're to do, do it out of love. In life, pursue whatever it is good and right and just. Amen. But pursue those things out of love. Pursue the spiritual gifts out of love. Pursue a, a happy family out of love. Pursue healthy lifestyle out of love. Love for God, love for others. Pursue a good career out of love. Love should be your chief motivator. No matter where you are, whether you're here or at the school or at work or wherever, let love be your chief motivator. Pursue love. But be sure that, but pursue these things. Pursue them out of love for God, love for others. Therefore, take care of what you put on social media. Take care of what you put on social media. Because what do we have as our example out there? Hate. What do we see in our society? It's hate. Yes, we stand up to ungodly morality. Yes, we speak truth in love. We don't go out and attack people's character and people's person. Yes, we attack issues. But we don't take the example of our politicians who, who spout hate on social media. Never do that. Never spread hate through social media. Quit that. Quit gossiping. Quit pursuing hate out of gossip and, and running people down. Take care of what you say about people. Take care of what you say about people. Take care of how you act towards others. Are you treating others with love and respect? Or are you treating them disrespectfully? Are you being ugly? Showing your temper? Showing your bad side? When you should be showing love. Take care. How you act. What you do. What you say. Let love be your number one motivator. Love begins with loving God. Let me make that clear today. Love begins with love for God. Actually, love begins when God loves us, when He loved us. And He sent His Son to die for us. And He invites us, come, come to me. You who are weak and heavy laden, come to me. You're drowning in sin. You're drowning in hate. You're drowning on all these worldly things. Come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. I'll give you love. And he invites us, come. Come. We can never love, truly love, 
until we experience the love of God. And the only way we experience the love of God is receiving His love by trusting in Jesus Christ. If you've never trusted in Jesus, you don't know love. But God's there. He's here. His arms are open. They're extended. Here's my gift. Here's my love. Will you receive it? Receive it today. And know true love. Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord, we just acknowledge today Lord, we do not know love until we know you. You are love. And it's only in our relationship to you that we can truly know divine, holy love. Oh yeah, we can experience feelings and emotions and all of these things. We can act decently towards other people. But it's only when we come into a relationship with you that we truly experience, know, and are able to give love. And so, Lord, I thank you for your gift of love in my life and in the lives of your people. And, Lord, I just confess, I know I, I, I fall sometimes. I, I don't show love as I ought to show love. And Lord, I just pray for your spirit to work in me to produce more and more love in my life. And certainly there are others here who are, are saying that same thing, Lord. They're, they're praying that same prayer right now, Lord. Help me to love. Help me to love better. Help me to show your love. Let your love shine through me, Lord. Lord, that's our prayers of church. Let us show your love. to others. And Lord, for all of those who have never experienced your love, Lord, let them, let them know you today. Speak to their hearts, Lord. Give them ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive your loving grace. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.